Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live All with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Hitendra Wadwa. Dr. Wadwa's mission is to discover, codify, and teach the laws of success in life and leadership. With an MBA and PhD from MIT's Sloan School of Management and a lifelong study of the world's mystic traditions, Dr. Wadwa brings a mathematician's rigor and a truth seeker spirit to some of today's most vexing questions about authenticity, success, leadership, and human potential. As professor of practice at Columbia Business School and founder of the Mentora Institute, Dr. Wadwa has coached dozens of Fortune 100 C-suite executives and taught more than 10,000 MBAs, executives, doctors, lawyers, social activists, and educators. His class on personal leadership and success is one of the most popular at Columbus Business School, for which he has won the Dean's Award for Teaching Excellence. Dr. Wadwa's Mentora Institute is at the forefront of creating simple, inspiring, and personalized approach to developing leaders. His clients include Accenture, Chevron, Kraft Heinz, Lululemon, Morgan Stanley, New York Times, SAP, and United Health Group. His nonprofit Mentora Foundation is developing a fellowship of global changemakers who are committed to building a principled world by strengthening the moral, mental, and social fibers in their families, organizations, communities, and nations, starting with their own selves. In this episode, Dr. Wadwa reveals the five core energies that hold the key to your success and unlocking your potential from his new book. We discuss his methods for discovering your purpose in life and how to not only be your best self, but bring out the best in those around you. If you feel like you're in the grind at all times and aren't excited to get out of bed each morning, this episode will give you a whole new perspective on success and what it means. This episode was life-changing for me, and I hope you find the same. Welcome, Dr. Wadwa. I was you know, just telling you how excited I am to pick your brain today especially when, you know, our, a big focus of our podcast is obviously health, but also happiness and finding purpose and fulfillment in your life, which correlates directly to our health. So I'm extremely excited, um, to record this episode today. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on. Ah, thank you. I'm grateful to be here. And, um, spend this time with you, Kate, and then also with your listeners. This will be, uh, I'm already sensing a fun conversation. Oh yeah. We we have fun over here. Um, I'd love for you to start off, and this is kind of how we start off each episode, with you telling our audience a little bit more about your journey and how you came to help so many people discover their purpose or, you know, be their best self. Like how, how do you end up getting to that point and how do you do that? But a lot of that has to do with my own hungers and quests to uh, figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, <laughs> you know, and um, starts really early. I was um, probably around 10 or so when I got very drawn to, um, you know, the mystic traditions across the world. Um, saw my parents take a very significant turn in their life to infuse, you know, their daily practices and routines with more of a spiritual, you know, pursue themselves, um, seeing my mother meditate, for example, when I would wake up in the morning and feel like, wow, where is she? And I want to go there wherever she is, because she seems so peaceful and joyful and interiorized. Um, and so on the one hand, I had this one track of my life, which was very drawn to deeper truths and a quest for happiness and joy that is more pure and sustainable than purely what the material experiences of life offer from the outside. And yet, on the other hand, I had this other track, right, which is more where society and you kind of interface. And yes, there was all this like trappings of like ambition and aspiration and desire to want to excel and, you know, et cetera. And initially it took on an academic turn for me. And then over time, more of a professional turn for me. And now in, I'm in my late teens and then in my 20s and then in my early 30s. And I've kind of like pursued, you know, some of these like outer glories, uh, moved on from college life to graduate school in America, you know, migrating here from India. And then from there to, you know, being in management consulting and doing a startup in Silicon Valley. But all along the way, feeling like I'm not really doing full justice to that inner track that I'd set up for myself. I just wasn't putting as much discipline and investment into it. So I started to slow life down and pull away a little bit from the, um, you know, the imperatives of like the business world 
um, knock on the doors of a couple of universities in the New York area where I was living at that time, Columbia being one, the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania and Philadelphia being another. And um, making an intention for myself that I just I just have to make the space and time so that I can't anymore tell myself I don't have time for this. I'm too busy. They're more important immediate goals, and I'll you know this will take care of itself later in my life because like my teens have gone by, my twenties have gone by, and therefore my thirties, forties, fifties, sixties will go by. And so finally, finally, I put some roots, you know, and I started to create some daily discipline and practice some contemplative you know, activities like meditation uh, for myself, some retreats and some reconnection with some nuns and monks I'd known over the years. And it became a beautifully transformative platform. So on the outside, I was teaching, you know, marketing and strategy and business in, in, in the business school of Columbia. And from the inside, I was starting to go through this journey. And then at some point, I just felt like I had to bring these two worlds together because I, I wanted to create more harmony, you know, more of a sense of oneness towards every moment and every pursuit and every intention. And um, and so I started to run these experiments, you know, at Columbia of, um, well, could it be that I can codify and, you know, offer up some laws of like human nature, of, of human thriving, of of success from the inside out of, you know, a place where you can be more authentic and still achieve your outer goals. I have to, you know, toe the line with regard to what the business school stands for in helping advance people into successful professional and leadership positions. But can I do it from a different place, a deeper place, a more authentic place within? And it took a couple of years to run those experiments through and um, create some validation, both for myself, first and foremost, for the students, and then for the administration, that there's something here. And then they blessed me in my offer to kind of create a class on, you know, I called it personal leadership and success. You know, how do you, before you lead others, learn to lead your own self and pursue um, a more meaningful, intentional path towards like what the right form of success should be for you. So that class took off and... Um, you know, gave me a lot of uh, further initial encouragement. I started to uh, network with some of the leading psychotherapists and psychologists and neuroscientists of our time, and also study some of like the storied lives, you know, from history, like uh, Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa or, you know, Nelson Mandela, in order to see what is it that I could draw from from their lessons and their journeys. And that ultimately became kind of like that eureka moment where I figured out what I want to do when I grow up. And it's all the things that you're you're talking about now. So yeah, no, that's so fascinating. And I'm curious to hear because I think sometimes when we're thinking about making a change, like if someone's listening right now and they're like, that all sounds great to me, but like, I don't have the time. My job is so demanding. All these things. Can you talk about what's the, what's it like for you now? where you are in this moment versus when you were working in Silicon Valley with that startup company, like how much has that shifted? You know, we talk about obviously health and happiness, but just shifted your life. Yeah. Um, I'm just so grateful for that, um, unrest I went through and that state of firm and then, and risk taking and, surrendering a little bit and ultimately you know the evolution of the breakthrough that has come from it you know that period of about three four years I'm, I'm just so grateful for that because um in transitioning from the former to to where i am now and, and the reason is that um you know i think the fundamental thing it shifts is your own definition of success your own assumptions about what it will take for you to be happy in life and in the prior you know, chapter, the assumption was that I have to, you know, keep growing my material success. You know, I have to do a more successful startup. I have to increase the valuation of that enterprise. I have to put so many more zeros, you know, in the um, bank account that I have so that my wealth is growing and people see me as successful. And then I show up on the cover of Fortune magazine or something. You know, there was those kinds of metrics of success. And, you know, how many people do you have at your startup? Oh, you know, these are how many I have at my startup. I'm, I think I'm doing better than you, you know, that kind of thing, right? And um, and then today, it's at a very different place, right? Where you realize a few things. First of all, if you're not growing, if you're not investing in yourself, what's the point of living? In other words, life is a school and every day is like a classroom. 
and every person, every experience is a teacher and your own inner voice is like the dean, you know, of the school guiding you and evolving and awakening you to your full potential. And, and you got to take on that quest and you got, you got to be able to get to a point where you feel like two years later that, look, I, I'm grateful for the way I've lived the last two years because, you know, something's happened to my wealth or my professional status, but more importantly, I'm a better human being. I'm closer to my core. You know, I feel more capable of handling the inevitable ups and downs in life because I've just honed and, you know, uh, created some practices through which I harmonize my relationships and I'm more healthy and, you know, happier and more high performing and, you know, things. So, um, so that shift in my view of what success is to include less of just purely material accomplishment and more a sense of growth and a commitment to keep evolving myself. Um, and then uh, another part of that has been a realization, a humbling realization that at the end of the day, there's only so much that I control about the outcomes in my life. And there's so much more that is in the hands of the universe. You know, the conditions mm -hmm. that unfold around me, in my family, in my community, in my country, in the world at large at a given point in time. And I have to be able to evolve and respond to those. And, you know, each of us, seven, eight billion people on the planet is being invited by life to really, you know, shine forth and do beautiful things in the context and situations we've been placed in. And it's not about a certain, you know, hierarchy or a ladder or a certain competition for who is doing better than somebody else. It's really more meant to be that each of us, you know, should be striving and celebrating, you know, that uh, pursuit of highest potential for whatever roles and situations and goals and purpose life is inviting us to take on, you know, based on our unique situation and talents and resources. And when you look at it that way, then um, the measure of success becomes more, you know, when I go to bed at night, you know, am I at peace that I you know, had my strivings today all harmonized and aligned with my purpose uh, to do the best I could with the resources and opportunities I was given to manifest that purpose. And if I was doing that 80%, then, well, that's the opportunity tomorrow to grow into taking it from 80 to 85% or 90%. And if I'm doing that to my fullest potential, then I'm just so much at peace, you know, that um, that's all that, you know, I can, you know, ask of myself and that the universe could ask of me. Uh, and so, I think that's been the big shift for me from those startup days to now. At that time, I was much more hungry around the more material metrics. You know, uh, they don't always have to be financial. You know, today there are a lot of us in Silicon Valley who are very invested in just like, how can I, you know, change the lives of a billion people? But it still is very quantitative. It's very much about what I manifest, what I do, as opposed to what is the relationship between the universe and me at this point in time that I'm meant to manifest and also am I working towards fully uncovering my fullest potential yeah no and, and it's that you know what I really heard you say with that like change of your idea of what success is it almost seems like the former you which I know so many people can identify with Yes, a lot of it, it's that more material. A lot of the time it is financial, right? But that that's also where people like, I think, mislead themselves to thinking a lot of the times that the more money or the more materials they have or materialistic things they have, they'll be happier because in the end, that's like our, I feel like that's everyone's goal to feel more aligned, to feel just happier and enjoy life, Right. Versus then when you had that shift in what success was, a big part of that was bringing in just that alignment and feeling good putting your head on the pillow each night, right? Like feeling that happiness and alignment and purpose is being, you know, if we want to say checked off for your own inner box, right? It's not about so much the outward, but I, I really wanted to spend time on that first question because I just know so many people who do feel stuck in their current positions and they don't feel like what they're, you know, let's say doing with their life, which there's so much more than what you, what your job is, right? There's so much more to you than what your career is. Or if you're a stay-at-home mom, right? Like there's so much more than that. But now let's really talk about 
what can we do to get there? Because there's a lot of hurdles, right? Like I'm sure, I mean, you talked about it, how it took you a couple of years to be like, okay, if I keep going this way, I'm, you know, I'm going to be in my 60s, 70s and still not have made the change. I'm really curious what got you to finally say like, enough is enough. I need to prioritize starting to do things like meditation and just really looking inwards. And what did you find through your own work and your experiments at Columbia that can work for most people to get there, I would say, like as efficiently as possible? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I do want to sort of clarify in the conversation that you and I have just had that um, in the point here is not to necessarily renounce, you know, material aspirations and yeah. hungers, right? And be loose and, you know, cavalier about your financial responsibilities, you know, to your family, um, but to put them in the right sort of frame, right? So you see those financial goals you've set for yourself or those career goals that you're setting for yourself to be in the service of something, to be in the service of, you know, I'm in this career or in this role because I really feel deeply, you know, invested in this cause, you know, that my team and organization are really manifesting. And I would love to be in a position over time to grow the amount of role and contribution and impact I can have. And that's why I'm striving for this. Or, you know, I want to create financial stability for my family and I, because that will give me more freedom to be able to do this other couple of things, you know, so it makes perfect sense for you in moments like that to strive for, you know, with outer ambition, but it's always in the service of, not in the service of your ego, not in the service of wanting to make you feel like I'm smarter than, or I'm better than, or more successful than, or I'll be so much happier when I'm richer or something. No, not in the service of that, but in the service of something truly connected with like a higher purpose, right? And so um, the, um, you know, the reason I'm sharing that is because sometimes we dichotomize, you know, the world into those who are pursuing things with naked greed and ambition mm -hmm. and the materially ambitious. And then those who are like, you know, going out and hugging trees and going to retreats and meditating <laughs> and loving and have no ambition, apparently, right? According to some, right? And I, you know, I live in a business school environment where, you know, you have people with lots of ambition, but um, ambition in the service of what, right? And when you look at the Mother Teresa's and the Lincolns and the Gandhis, these people had like outside success, outside success. They were materially highly successful, but they were basically doing that in the service of something. And then that got them to be super outliers. Even something like a Steve Jobs, you know, ultimately a highly wealthy man and materially very celebrated for what he's done, but doing it in the service of, you know, for him, the passion of bringing technology and, you know, design and fusing it with like humanity, you know, at a very unique moment in history. So, so anyway, so there's that. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, but, you know, just yeah. to stop you there, I'm sure in your work with people you've helped to align themselves with their purpose and be their best self, a lot of the times that does bring some, like, right, that does bring more financial success or some of that material, even when you're doing it in, right, when you're doing it in service of others, when you're more aligned, you're every, it, it kind of everything else comes to you as well. So it's not also to, you know, I don't want anyone listening to think like, we're also saying that by making this switch, you're not, you're going to have less material things and you're not going to be financially su successful because from what I've seen with people, when they are more aligned, everything comes to them and comes more easily. They may just not care as much for it or place such an emphasis on it. Um, but when we're at our best and, you know, being our best self, the universe tends to hand us things as well. Ah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So in my book, right, Inner Mastery, Outer Impact, in a chapter on what I call living with wisdom, you know, how to reacquire and pursue wisdom, there are these five stages on how to get there. And the fourth stage is to cultivate the capacity to be non-attached to outcomes. You know, to pursue things with fire and, you know, ambition and passion, but at the same time to not be too identified or attached to a particular outcome. And um, I share some examples and thesis there about how uh, when you do that, you open yourself up to more attunement with the unfolding conditions in the world around you and therefore more adaptability, 
more freedom and flexibility to, uh, yeah, just lean into any opportunity that comes your way and not get like too miffed by, you know, the setbacks that come along the way, et cetera. And therefore you do that a few times and you actually, to your point, create the conditions where by not obsessing with success, you know, success starts to come and knock at your own door, you know, and uh, I give an example there of John Wooden, you know, he um, was a UCLA basketball coach in the 1950s and 60s and, you know, basically used to tell his players, I don't care if you win or lose, you know, I, I just care that when you walk out from each game, you know, would you have been able to tell yourself honestly that I played my best game, right? And if you feel that way consistently, then, you know, you'd be surprised by what kind of outcomes can come to us, even without worrying about the outcomes. And so this coach who really encourages players never to be looking at the scoreboard, but focused on just doing their best, he ends up being the winningest, you know, college basketball coach in college basketball history. I mean, he has won over 10, you know, annual, like, you know, competitions for his team. Uh, the next winningest coach has won like five among some of the current very successful ones, five and then four. And so how did he get such outside success, right? By never obsessing with success is exactly what you said. You know, the universe just hands you these things um, when you're when you're playing the game the right way. Um, but coming back to your original question, yeah, about practical things that I've put out there in the business school and, you know, some of which are codified in my book as well. Um, what I've sought to do is um, invite us all to recognize that what we are seeking is already present within us. You know, the happiness you succeed, you know, you're looking for the liberation and freedom you're looking for, the beauty and the joy and the love that you're looking for. And you're all of that is already present as the very center of your being, what I call your inner core. And this is not, you know, a uh, original insight for me. It's what um, any of the great mystic traditions, you know, I think um, have discovered, you know, from the experiments truth seekers have pursued over millennia, millennia. Um, now, how to make this idea of the inner core, the space of joy and love and peace uh, within you and within me, how to make that tangible and real and something that we can practically you know, awaken to. Uh, that's, I guess, the work that I've done um, at um, in my class at Columbia, in uh, my book, and in the teachings we have at my Mentora Institute. You know, and um, the way we've done that is through five energies. Uh, and and uh, I invite you know our listeners here today to consider you know your relationship with these five energies. The first is purpose. You know, are you on fire when you wake up every morning with clarity about like your life direction and how today is going to be in service of that life direction? And can you harmonize every moment, every interaction, everything to be ultimately in some ways connected with whatever that mission statement is, you know, for your life? So that's the purpose energy. Everything you do, you do it in a great sense of deep sense of purpose, looking at life as a gift, recognizing that, you know, you, you, you know, you're not entitled, you know, to another sunny, warm day tomorrow. It's a gift. It's um, a blessing. It's something to be grateful for. And when you have it, you want to make the most use of it in deepening your relationships in serving at an even more advanced level and growing in some really beautiful ways and experiencing with a sense of awe the world around you. So any role of that is around purpose. The second of these energies, I call them wisdom. And wisdom is about recognizing that, you know, we all get blurred in our understanding of like uh, what's going on in this relationship and, you know, why is this person not fully motivated or, you know, the world right now is really not a good place for me, et cetera. And, and we lose out on opportunities to really show up in the right way and engage and do and fight and evolve, you know, in the conditions around us in a way that creates more success until we are able to fully open ourselves up to truth in whichever way truth needs to knock on our door. Sometimes it's the little bit of fleeting change in facial expressions of the person next to us or a quick indication we get from an email that, you know, there must be something more here than meets my eye or something. And are you paying attention? Are you pausing? Are you opening your mind? Are you challenging your core beliefs so that you can, um, again, just see truth in a much more balanced and complete light? So that's wisdom for you. The third energy is growth. And, and you know, and growth is about Seeing yourself always as a work in progress, recognizing that there's always opportunity for us to get closer and closer to our core, that we drift sometimes close to it and sometimes we drift away from it. And, you know, what are we doing every day to, you know, like Michelangelo, you know, keep sculpting, keep sculpting, keep sculpting until you reveal 
as he would say, the pure and beautiful form that always lay within the stone, you know, in this case, within within the stone of you and within the stone of me, you know. Uh, so that's that's growth. And then the fourth of these five energies is is love. And 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 love is about recognizing that, you know, none of us are, you know, independent. We're all ultimately part of an interconnected, interdependent web of relationships and flow of life and services being performed for us to give us the gift of, you know, a comfortable, happy existence today and the services that we provide, you know, to help support others and future generations in that regard. So how can we manifest more of that, taking joy in other people's joy and finding success in other people's success and expanding in a sense, our sense of self beyond, beyond just, um, you know, our own individual physical self with my name and my identity and my ego and my, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn profile to, you know, my interconnectedness with the rest of the universe. Um, and the fifth and final of these energies is self-realization. And and that's an invitation to realize that behind it all, you know, behind the, in a sense, the, you know, the madness of the crowds and the sensory distractions of the world and even the, you know, swirl of thoughts and feelings that arise within us from time to time, behind all of that lies a purity of spirit, you know, that, um, is my is my true source of life and what is that spirit when do i feel most connected with it and what can i do to nurture more and more my day-to-day -day communion you know with that spirit so that it guides me it energizes me it reassures me it um is my true home uh and practices that help get you there so um i, I realize that's quite a mouthful you know for us but uh, i hope that this five energies way of thinking about you know how we show up and how we engage and how we grow can be of some service, you know, to our, to our listeners. It can be so hard to remember to take your supplements every day, but sometimes all you need is to look forward to taking them. Nordic Naturals gummies are a convenient and delicious way to help you stick to your supplement routine. Gummies also have a higher bioavailability than capsules, helping your body absorb more nutrients more easily. And if you're looking to cut down on your sugar intake this year, Nordic Naturals offers a wide variety of zero sugar gummies for both adults and children. My personal favorite are the zero sugar curcumin gummies with their delicious mango taste. Head to nordic.com and use the code naturallywell15 for 15% off all Nordic Naturals zero sugar gummies for adults and children. there was a study done at Harvard where they were really looking at like lifespan and they followed men from age, I want to say 25 till about 70. And the ones that were lived the longest were in the best health were not necessarily the ones eating the best, <laughs> exercising the best, but more so had that sense of community and meaningful relationships in their life. And so whenever I hear little things like that, I'm always reminded of that. And that's you know, where our health, I feel like plays a like plays into all of this as well. If, you know, anyone listening is just very focused on their physical health, it's, it all is connected as well. Um, I'm curious, I know Dr. Waddle, you talk a lot about leadership. How does that play a role in serving us to discover, you know, these five core energies and being at our best. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I, by the way, thank you for citing that that Harvard study. It's it's a great testament, right, to the power of, like you said, you know, relationships and community is the key enabler of um, happiness and health. Um, the the, uh, the the since I have been uh, in business and at a business school, I have naturally had to take you know these ideals, these ideas, and things and put them in a form that would be relevant and appealing to a business audience. And I felt the best way to do that would be to put them into that cast of leadership, because that's something that every aspiring you know, professional out there has some dreams of, or wanting to succeed by at some point, you know, rising through the ranks and being a leader. So um, I originally was focused on showing how the great leaders out there are ultimately great human beings that behind their acts of great leadership are um, a deep inner pursuit they've had of discovering the core, manifesting these five energies and activating these in the people they have led. In the present moment, for instance, 
you take somebody like Zelensky, you know, and Ukraine, and the fight that that is going on in that country for its survival. And I would argue that here he was somebody who was being a little bit mocked, you know, in the early part of his uh, presidential days as like he's supposedly a comedian, you know, as an actor, as a comedian. What is he doing, you know, being a president? And then look at the way he shows up and, and look how he takes on that mantle and look what he activates within his country. And it's amazing how, you know, I was, I was seeing seeing these pictures, you know, shown by a dear friend of mine, Mick Ebeling, um, the founder of Not Impossible Labs, you know, doing some really inspirational, beautiful work. One of which is this project where he's now, you know, going to Ukraine and helping develop prosthetics, you know, for uh, for some of the injured soldiers there, right, who've, who've lost, uh, you know, their their arms or the legs or something. And um, and he was talking about how he says, you know, in, in, in here in the United States, you know, when, you know, we have painfully so someone in the military lose, you know, a limb, you know, they're, you know, now an injured veteran, they come back and they're given support and they retire. He says, there, what I was noticing was the war that was going on, the passion they have for wanting to defend themselves. You know, when they were getting these prosthetics, what's the first thing they were wanting to do? Just jump out of the hospital bed and just go and fight again, you know, on the front line, right? Amazing, amazing, right? And so if you were to ask me, what is Zelensky doing to activate that kind of spirit in people? And I would say it's this one thing, you know, he's activated his own core by refusing to take flight and leave the country to protect his family and his own safety. He's shown it, modeled it, he's activated his core, pursued his purpose, and then people around him, he's, through his speech making and actions, he's seeking to activate that core in them and to bring them to a place where they're all collectively on a hero's journey. So that's the manner in which I have been taking, you know, the core and these energies and translating them into a language of leadership that we can pursue to take people on a hero's journey in our own workplaces, you know, in the aspirations we have to launch a great product or to, you know, really succeed at a certain project or steward our organization through troubled times and what have you. But the interesting thing is that in doing this work over the course of the last 15 years, I have learned so much from the audience, you know, my students at Columbia and then executives in my workshops. And, and what I've discovered through that is that the opposite is also very true and very important, which is, we don't just want to bring life into leadership in that focus on people in the professional world, activating more of a human-centered approach, activating more of the spirit, right? Bringing that kind of life into leadership, but the opposite as well, bringing leadership into life, bringing leadership into life. Now, what do I mean by that? So I'll share a story. Um, one of my students, you know, she, an MBA student, she said the story. She said that um, she was about 14 when she had a real struggle with her health, they had to take her to the hospital, her parents, and um, she was going to be in observation for a week, and then they were going to perform some surgery on her. And it was not life-threatening or anything, but, you know, still a very critical health issue. And she said, right on the first day, the physician comes in the room looking very troubled, and he, you know, indicates to my father to walk out with him, and they have a conversation. And I don't know what the conversation is, because, you know, I wasn't there. Um, and my father only revealed it to me four years later. But she said, what I do know is that um, when he did share it with me, here's what happened. Um, the doctor told my father, I have two pieces of bad news for you, sir. One is that that surgery we had to perform, we can't wait one week. We will have to do it, you know, later today itself. Um and the second is that, you know, we've been looking at your daughter's blood type and everything. And unfortunately, you know, we are not going to be able to give her anesthesia. We're going to, for her own safety, do this surgery with her without anesthesia. And, you know, again, it's not life-threatening or something, but it is going to be, you know, a difficult moment for, for you all. Uh, so she said, I didn't know that because that was a conversation that was happening outside the ward. But what I do know is a few minutes later, my father comes in. And he's beaming with like a smile on his face. And he's looking at me and he's saying, daughter, I have two pieces of good news for you. The first is, you know, that surgery they were going to do like a week from now. Well, they're actually happy doing it this evening itself. So the good news is surgery will happen today. By tomorrow, you'll start recovering. And by the end of the week, you'll be at home. And the second good news, they've been observing you. And you are the most courageous teenager they've ever had at this hospital. You know, they are so inspired and impressed by you. You won't even need any anesthesia. You know, it'll pain a little here and there, but you won't need any anesthesia. You'll be fine. And she said, I heard that. And then we went through the surgery later in the day. And, 
you know, sure enough, it was not easy. It was painful, but like, there's no way I was going to in any way just break down. I, I, I was on fire. I was on this hero's journey and, you know, I was going to prove to myself and to them that they were right when they saw me as the most courageous, you know, 14 year old and all of that. And, and I, 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 you know, I look at moments like that with stories that I've heard, which have been so humbling and inspiring for me. Right. And I feel like, wow, what am I doing trying to teach these people about leadership? You know, in these moments, you know, you have been practicing leadership in your life, right? Like in that moment was her father when he turned around his own personal feeling of pain and discomfiture as to what his daughter was going to go through and reframe it for himself and what he was going to go there, you know, into the room and tell her, was he living or was he leading, right? And and similarly with her, like when she took on this, you know, challenge from her father and opened up to the belief that there is this very courageous part of me at my core you know, she could easily have like rolled her eyes and said, dad, you're just being silly again and call mom. I want to speak to her. And there's no way I'm going to go through the surgery today. And definitely not like without anesthesia. You know, she could have done that. But but was she living or was she leading really in some ways, right? And um, and so, so that's my thesis that there is a way for us to actually unify these ideals of living and leading. And it happens when you recognize that in all moments, in all moments, you know, in our lives, we are being invited to do just one thing, which is bring out the best in ourselves and bring out the best in others. In the pursuit of, you know, whatever the common positive purpose is, you know, in that moment, the common positive purpose was to get her through her health issue successfully on the other side. Sometimes the common positive purpose is to share a beautiful moment of connection and warmth with a couple of members of your family or a friend or just have a meaningful conversation with a stranger as you nod and smile at each other in the elevator, or to lead a team through a massive big relaunch of something, you know, at work. So big and small, private and public, you know, personal and professional, ultimately it's just this one thing, activate your core, activate the core in others. That's from where the best in you arises. And that way leadership becomes life and life becomes leadership. Oh, so well put. Oh, oh my gosh, dad of the year. Like that story um, so what are some things, cause right, like this all sounds so good. And I can't imagine anyone listening. Isn't like, Oh, I want to be aligned with these five core energies. I want to unlock my potential. Yeah. What are some things and bring out the best in others, like the people around us, because I'm sure we've all struggled with too. Like, even if we're, we feel in a good place or maybe we feel aligned, maybe our, um, a, you know, a family member isn't, our, our child isn't, our um, partner isn't, or a parent isn't. What can people start doing today or in the upcoming year that can help bring out that full potential by, you know, unlocking their potential with those five core energies? Like what are some tangible things they can start doing and also bring out the best in others? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I will attempt to, um, do justice to your question by giving a few tools from across these five energies. Right. And so you take purpose. One thing I encourage in your, all of us to consider is Ask yourself, do you have a very clear and defined direction in life, a purpose in life, uh, a view as to what a good life and a well-lived life is about? Uh, and if you do, fantastic. Um, you can move on to the next stage and start making choices in life that are aligned with it. And in those choices, I would say the following to you, that if you are truly, truly on fire with a noble and uplifting cause or purpose for your life, you will find that time becomes very scarce, that the years are just going to fly by. And the fact that we only live a handful of decades is going to make you feel like, wow, I just don't have, you know, all the time I would want, you know, for manifesting, you know, this beautiful thing that I want to. And therefore, it becomes really critical to start to simplify lives, to start to make certain hard calls and choices about certain things to walk away from. Maybe it's certain parties, maybe it's certain, even at times, even certain hobbies. I don't mean that you become some kind of an automaton or just lose all zest for the good things in life, but you do want to benefit from not having others make those choices for you to pull you in a hundred different directions, but for you to make some very mindful calls about the things that you're truly going to be invested in serving. Now, if you do not have purpose, 
then I would say you have purpose. And your purpose is to find your purpose. So just be on fire about going on that search, studying lives of people that you admire, um, you know, asking questions as you take a walk in nature with the universe as to what you're really meant to manifest, um, going on certain retreats, running some experiments in your life. Just like I, in that moment um, at Columbia Business School, ran an experiment with starting some seminars on topics close to my heart, which I wasn't sure if there would be appeal and relevance in the business school for those. So run some experiments, you know, and just keep passionately investigating, ideating and experimenting until you get to that more and more greater level of clarity for yourself. So those are some suggestions for me to help you activate more purpose. Um, you take wisdom. I would just make one quick suggestion, which is a lot of wisdom has to do not with the intellect, not with analytical, you know, horsepower that we gain from getting, you know, advanced degrees, but from you know, and I know a little bit about that because I was a little bit obsessed with that part of, you know, honing my intellectual craft and, you know, made my way all the way to a PhD and all of that. But what I've learned is that actually a lot of wisdom has to do with the purity of the intention that you bring to a moment. And that intention, for it to be pure, you have to really gain some level of mastery over your emotional life. You know, if your emotions are holding you at ransom, it's going to be very hard. And so start becoming just more aware of the silent force that emotions play in your everyday, you know, kind of uh, ways that you show up. And where are they helping you? Where are they hurting you? Um, and then what can you do to redirect them to be agents of positive change and good and transformation for yourself and others, rather than getting to be burnt by them, you know, by yourself or in how you make make certain choices of words and tone of voice and actions that you look back two days later and feel like, oh, I wish I hadn't been so angry. I wish I hadn't, I hadn't been so paralyzed by anxiety or what have you. And so look at and pursue certain small steps, ways to emotional mastery. Um, a individual I have the greatest of respect for in uh, someone who's taught me so much about practical tools to pursue that. And I mentioned him in the book is Dr. David Burns from Stanford University, the preeminent exponent of um, cognitive behavior therapy, you know, CBT. Mm -hmm. um, and I borrowed from some of the methods and tools there and brought it into the executive arena, you know, with the workshops we run at Mentora and at my class. So very applicable, very practical for us to take on ourselves uh, learning to change our thoughts and our emotional state in a way that is uh, best of service to us. So that's for wisdom. Um, for growth, yeah, I have a practice I talk about in the book. I learned it from one of my students initially, Daniel Dixon, who's a Jesuit. Uh, he's a priest now. I was getting his MBA at that time at Columbia. And I'm actually just reminded in this conversation with you, I better write to him. I, I owe him a hello. Um, but anyway, he came up to me during the middle of the class and he said, uh, Professor, I mean, you should maybe study this Ignatian prayer of uh, the examine. And I did study it and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And then I adapted it, you know, and I've offered a kind of like, you know, if you want to call it a non-faith like version of it in my book so that, you know, it doesn't have to be that you have to be from, you know, the Jesuit traditions or something, but any or all of us can benefit from it. And, and it's about a daily time that you make, you know, five, 10 minutes of time to be in a state of stillness and calmness and invite the presence of somebody who really uh, inspires and uplifts you could be, you know, a parent or uh, another loved one or somebody you look up at or, or God, you know, or your own higher self, your own future ideal self. And in the presence of that person, visualizing that that person is there with you, you, or that force, you know, that energy is there with you. You do an introspection on your last 24 hours. What are you grateful for? Um, what things are just bubbling up inside you as to, you know, certain certain moments of the day and how you showed up in those moments and perhaps things that worked well for you and things that didn't and what can you learn from it and now make peace with the past and now move on to tomorrow and how do you want to show up tomorrow in the next 24 hours and or, or, or today if this was an introspection you were doing first thing in the morning how, how do you want to show up you know uh, for, for the next 24 hours and what what commitments are you making to yourself so so that's the tool that i would encourage us to take on you will see that if you keep using this tool again and again and again i.e. you're doing this introspection every day, at some point you reach this point where during the day itself, you know, you start to just recognize that, oh, you know, there are these two paths I can take. There's a fork in the road and this is the habitual path, but this is the aspirational ideal path for me. And I know that I'll have so much more peace of mind when I do this review of my core and how I showed up 
when I do that later today or tomorrow morning, I'll be so much more at peace if I took this path rather than this path. And so the practice of this introspection done once a day over time starts to, in the moment, during the day itself, guide you towards the right things to do when it becomes really core to who you are. Uh, and then love, I mean, that's such a beautiful energy. And my one exhortation and invitation to us is just um, a practice of appreciation. You know, appreciation is where you're scanning your career, your workplace, your friends, your family, the world around you for what's going right, for what is really beautiful about it, what um, noble qualities are people showing, what contributions are you know, some uh, people making in a way that makes you feel like, wow, this is really special, this is really good. Um, and so that discipline through which you're constantly looking for things to celebrate and appreciate just puts you in a place where I like to say the great lovers in the world, you know, like a like a you know um, a great artist who who just loves you know um, who 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 does really beautiful art. What you find is that they were not just loving; they were in love. In other words, they just took so much joy from the positivity and appreciation they had of whatever it is that they were invested in that it just makes it easy to love when you can appreciate. And then the fifth and final self-realization. One practice I might uh, recommend is just. Um, Ask yourself, what is that practice for you that in the solitary, you know, kind of moments of your life, just by yourself, you feel most connected with your core, with your spirit? Uh, for some of us, it's a run. For some of us, it's a walk. For some of us, it's listening to classical music. For others, it might be prayer or meditation. Whatever that practice is, you know, make sure that you're giving space and time to it. And um, seeing that as an intentional act from your side to disconnect from the hustle and bustle of life around you to that purity of spirit within. Um, and so take on, you know, if you don't have it, take on some committed, regular daily practice through which to get into that more contemplative stillness, you know, within. Those are such great tips and tools. I mean, again, I'm making my notes over here um, for myself, but those are all practical ways, right? Like it may seem daunting to someone if they're like, I feel like I have none of those things, but we all have like, we all have a starting point with each one and maybe some we're better at than others, but even just starting, I feel like with one or two and going off that, like, even if you feel like you don't have a purpose right now, but that's the one part you focus on, right? That's the one energy and use the tools that you described that's amazing if we can just accomplish that, right? And then move on to the next. So I thank you so much. I mean, honestly, Dr. Wadwa, I could pick your brain for another two hours, um, but I know you're also a very busy man. So one thing we love to do to wrap up our podcast is a really quick rapid fire Q&A so our guests can get, or so our listeners can get to know our guests better. So first thing that comes to mind for you what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Yeah, for me, um, I've been blessed, you know, over the last 20 years from that time that I was in the transition mode into really reconnecting with my core and starting to reframe, you know, my purpose in life in about, you know, that's now 20 years ago. I was able to, at that time, develop this habit of um, a certain meditation practice called Kriya Yoga from... Um, you know, spiritual order that I've been deeply invested in, self-realization fellowship. And so um, that really is my, you know, is my way of getting there. Um, anytime um, I, I'm able to sort of just, you know, now I have the blessing of closing my eyes and interiorizing, in a sense, my consciousness and trying to experience a little bit of that sweetness of spirit within, you know, and for me, the best way to know that I'm connecting with it is when I can feel joy, you know, bubbling up inside me, which has kind of like nothing to do with what's happening in the world, you know, on that day or what's happening in my life that day, you know. So uh, I try as best I can for, you know, for those few minutes uh, to see if I can connect and still and go within and, um, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just sample some of that bubbling of joy, you know, from the spirit. I love that. It's like a, just a little personal joy for yourself each day. Um, okay, coffee or tea? Uh, tea. Um, for some <laughs> reason, I've just never been as uh, passionate about coffee. Although I, I, you know, appreciate the just the culture it creates. You know, the cafe culture. I, I love, I love working in cafes, connecting with people in cafes, and um, at the same time, for me, it's uh, 
green tea. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your tea preference? Yes, I do love a green tea. Okay, this is my personal favorite question. What is your favorite home-cooked meal? Uh, I have to be honest. I mean, um, you know, I've been very lucky that way. I have absolutely no culinary, you know, qualities in myself, but my wife's, uh, you know, passionate about, about cooking. And so pretty much anything cooked from my mom's hands or her hands, uh, you know, I, I find is a, is a very special meal. That's so, a great answer. You should tell them both to listen to this episode. I'm sure yeah. they'd love to hear that. Well, Dr. Wadwa, thank you so much. This has been so enlightening, I know, for myself, and I'm sure for all of our listeners too. Like I said, you know, it can seem a little daunting for some people feeling like they're starting at zero, but kind of chipping away through the years. And you shared how long it took you to really find in, like you said, you're still growing and that's part of the goal. Um, so I just thank you for your time. And, you know, I hope one day again, I'll get the chance and opportunity to pick your brain, um, and hopefully maybe meet in person, but thank you so much for your time. Oh, yeah, no, thank you, Kate. And I uh, completely echo what you're saying. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm remembering a quote from St. Augustine, you know, he said, no, no saint is without a past, you know, and no sinners without a future, you know, I mean, all of us have the rest of this life and perhaps eternity, you know, to keep growing and uh, going. So why not take advantage of that, you know, and uh, it, it's just about taking that first step and keeping that sense of fulfillment in yourself that, yeah, I, I, um, I'm seeing myself to just in small steps evolve to a new place today, and who knows where I could be tomorrow. Um, but you're a very kindred spirit, Kate. I can see that, you know, so clearly. Um, yeah, just from our conversation today, and uh, from all that you're doing, and so is your audience. So I wish you all really well. Thank you for giving me the honor of spending this time with you all. Uh, wish you well in both your pursuit of inner and outer success. Thank you so much. This week's actionable step is to pick one of the five core energies Dr. Wadwa discussed, whether that's purpose, wisdom, growth, love, or self-realization, and start putting in the time each day to hone in on what it means to you using the strategies Dr. Wadwa shared. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals, and remember you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.